0: Howdy, BHR Seers. You can find every episode of Why People on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever else you get your podcast content. Uh, in this episode, episode number five, uh, we're thrilled to be chatting with Stephanie Russo. Uh, Stephanie is the Chief People Officer of BPNE uh parting. Parking um, and a little out solutions. going to chat all about uh, her career and some of the amazing things she's done. Um, so let's do it. <laughs> Doo mm-hmm. Hello and welcome, everyone. Welcome to the Why People podcast, episode number five. Uh, Why People is a Boston HR Council production. Those unfamiliar with the BHRC, it is the largest HR and people executive community uh, in the world. Uh, Just over 1,500 executive council members. I'd like to introduce my my partner in crime, uh, BHRC uh, co-founder and Why People co-host, Paul Roberts, Thank you, Sean. Good day, everyone. Stephanie, great to see you. Thanks for being here.
1: Thank you. Thrilled to be here.
0: And it brings us right to our guest, um, an amazing vhrc seer Very excited to have the conversation with Stephanie Russo, who is the Chief People Officer of VPNE Parking uh, and Aloha, Aloha Healthcare Solutions. Stephanie, thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you for having me. i thrilled to see you both and uh, have this conversation.
0: Yeah, we're super excited. Uh, I know you have a ton of fun and exciting things going on personally and professionally. So we'll see if we can, uh, we can cover as much as possible here. But, but Stefan, before we get started here, if you wouldn't mind, um, would love to take maybe, I don't know, uh, three or or four minutes to have you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, to help our audience kind of situate, uh, who Stephanie Russo is. So tell us a little bit, you know, where you're from, you know, your background and, and we'll go from there.
1: Sure, sure. I am uh, currently the Chief People Officer of VPNE and e and Aloha Solutions, as you mentioned. And I have been with the organization about a year and a half at this point. Uh, but I've been in the HR space for about 15 years, which I am so thrilled to share, but then never want to overshare because you show your age when you start to say things like that. So um, I have been in HR since almost day one and been in love with it. And people overall. So this podcast is super exciting for me to to join in and share some of my stories uh, with you. I am from South Boston and uh, actually a a Southie native, um, which is very rare these days. But have been living in the city, enjoying Boston and the growth that Boston has seen overall and really watching our company integrate into all the new spaces that have happened. So uh, it's overwhelming to see where South Boston and the city of Boston have come from and that I've grown with it. So being in that HR space and watching the growth along there has just been so exciting overall and uh, looking forward to the future for sure.
2: Yeah. and Sean, sorry to jump in already, but I have to do this. With Stephanie being a South the native and her nature of her work now, can you please say "park the car on the yacht" for all of us?
1: Oh, it's it's been in the yacht the whole time, and it comes out. It's <laughs> horrible, horrible, horrible. But my my yacht is huge, huge.
2: I mean, back to that you from Southie and you work for a partner VPNE and now, this is so perfect.
1: It absolutely is. It was the first <laughs> thing I learned. Forget every other skill in life. You just had to be able to park your car and you're fine, right? And I still continue to drive around South Boston for people who struggle to park and say can I just park it for you please I, 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 we, we gotta go
0: uh, again just for folks kind of scoring at own Paul lasted four minutes this time before a, a dad joke or a pun came out so pretty good pretty good Paul We're always improving um well somebody thanks for the thanks for the background um and I guess where I'll I'll start and kind of lean in here a little bit. When you think about growing up in South Bay and maybe, um, school, you know, whether it was elementary, middle, high, um, was there any part of you that, and you look back now, you said, you could say, Oh, I, I could see why I started kind of tracking towards HR and people as a, as a career.
1: Definitely. And I, I, when I look back now, I had no idea back then. And I think most people don't right? when you think about the experiences that you've gone through and how you had no idea that was going to shape who you are and where you are now, it's actually it's very interesting to do that. And it's a little bit overwhelming. But, you know, growing up in Southie and and the the typical neighborhood that it was, I actually am from uh, I'm first generation Sicilian family. So that was a little bit different of a dynamic for South Boston and, and what it was then. But I didn't even realize how much that would really shape the pathway that I was going on and it would end up being on. Because of the the American integration of it all, watching my family have their first jobs in America, uh, that immigrant mentality and the nuances of different cultures clashing with me being in different neighborhoods and different schools and what my family life was at the same time, and really even so much granular to the role of women in our home and the expectation and who I am as a professional now, right? So when you think about all these strong women, and I thought about, you know, it was really being home and, and making the home and being uh, the the provider for your family in a big way. And I thought about, oh, well, it's the pathway I really want to be on so much so, but not realizing how the strength of watching the women in my family who did that would play into the strength that I wanted to carry through into my professional career. So. Uh, being in a different dynamic culturally really pushed me into uh, a pathway of understanding people at a different level and the struggles that they may be going through. And I also am a daughter of a mother who worked for a nonprofit her entire life, and so uh, very naturally we spend all of our time at her nonprofit at the the Ollie in South Boston. So I was fortunate to then join the teen program there, and the teen program was one you just you were super cool because you were 11 years old now, right? You were in the teen program. But in that program, you had the Rent-A-Kid and you were able to start doing odd jobs for community members around, mostly the elderly who needed help shoveling, needed help with groceries and you got paid for it, right? So it instilled this very different sense of responsibility at such a young age of how to make money and really still be a caring, empathetic person for people who are in need in our community. So um, it was by way of that, that I met Amy Murray, who was the head of the team program at the time. And she received an inquiry from Putnam Investments, and they were doing community outreach program. And this program was designed to bring local community students into Putnam Investments. One, give them an internship to work in Putnam Investments in a floor that they had in a different division, it varied. And then also to teach business etiquette and the kind of the art of professionalism. I was 14. Uh, Putnam Investments said, you're way too young. This is not going to work. It's really for 16 and 17 and 18 year olds. And we know the difference of ages from that point. Uh, And so really sadly, Amy passed away about a month after uh, my nomination. And Putnam Investments came back and said, we're so sorry for your loss. And we know she had the best of intentions and a really good hat on our shoulders. So we trust her decision and we're going to let you in the program. And this program changed the entire trajectory of my life. And it offered everything down to how to shake someone's hand and putting the name tag on the right side of your chest so that the eyes follow your handshake to the name tag. It went into such detail on how to be successful in a professional business environment. And at 14 years old, who gets that kind of training? Um, And so I was just in a very different mind frame from an early stage that kind of set me up for a big level of success. But it was the first time I thought, no one's ever going to tell me that I'm too young, right? And that I'm too young to do this or I'm too young to do that. Because at the end of that program, they made you present to the CEO. And at that time, I was like, oh, well, it's the CEO. I, I don't really understand this. And our parents were invited. And so my mother joined. And the CEO went over to my mother and said, She's phenomenal. I'm really excited to see what she's going to do on life. I remember thinking, "Well, okay, great. I appreciate your thoughts." You know, at 14, I was just excited to go play in the field with my friends after I got out of this program, uh, and that to me has never been more impactful than anything else in my life and setting me on a good pathway.
0: That's that is amazing, Stephanie. I I didn't know really any of that story. Is that program still intact? Um, is that is it still around?
1: They had been doing it, I uh, actually. So I noticed in the, the newspaper yesterday that they sold uh, in the last couple of days. So I don't know if there's been a change in how their programming's gone. Uh, the woman who ran it was Margaret Leipzig. And her name, she walked into the room and she had this, this business suit on and she stuck her hand out firmly and she said, hello, Stephanie, my name's Margaret. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to be her. I really, I want to be her. And I had never had corporate America experience at that point. You know, I took the number nine bus to get from South Boston to downtown, and we walked into this building. And I knew at that point, though, this is where I want to be and who I want to be. And so it was very eye-opening to happen at such a young age, but I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah, that's it's amazing. Um, and I mean, I, I feel silly. Um, I've been putting my name tag on the wrong side of my well, <laughs> you eatered but now I know why most people call me Steve, right? So I got
1: right side.
0: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Jeez. Well, what what a great story, Stephanie, and, and you know what a great opportunity um, for you to get that exposure at such a young age. Um, it, it's clearly you know had a profound impact on you. Not that I want to skip too far ahead, but something that kind of stood out when we were kind of thinking about our conversations today was. You have something that not a ton of your peers um, has, and that is actual formal education in human resources management. I mean, and you know some of our listeners that might be outside of the function say that doesn't make sense, but there's not a ton of HR executives that actually were traditionally trained, uh, you know, in higher ed uh, in in HR management. Can you tell us a little bit about? Kind of the decision um, to enroll uh, in, in that uh, in that major and in in, in, um, in how impactful it's been, you know, throughout your career.
1: Sure. I I'm not really sure I ever honestly knew a clear definition of human resources up until that point, though. So I think that there was this this big gray area of always, and and particularly years ago when HR was kind of that real true principal's office, right? That you you didn't want to have to go to, and nobody wanted to visit. It was in the dark hallway down uh, at the end of the hall and was a locked door. And that, for me, is always intriguing because as a, as a child looking for mischief, saying, oh, what's behind that door. I want to go check it out. Um, and so, you know, the initial intrigue of who are these mysterious HR people and how do I become one? Because I, I need to be mystique myself. There was a very natural thought process about business administration going into college and thinking, I know that it's going to be business administration, but what is going to be the focus point of that? Um, I knew at that point I had worked hard. I loved working with people between teaching at dance schools in my teenage years, working at the neighborhood house in South Boston, I always connect well with people. And so there was a course that was an elective that really said, hey, this is where we're talking about building relationships and what human resources function is meant to do and I, that intrigued me from one elective course that I had to take to get through freshman the freshman college load, and it was it was history from there. And truly, just decided that I'm majoring and have a business administration degree, which is a check mark on my list. But then, can I really enjoy and love taking my passion for people that I just kind of figured out as a teenager and turning that into a job at 18? That's still something that's still so daunting, right? Of I, I don't know what I want to do. And on an everyday basis, I interview people who are coming in to do, you know, uh care and, you know, they majored in sports entertainment. Right. So uh, there's always that spectrum of the people that think that they're going to do something at some point when you're 18 and then when you're 35 and 40, that it didn't pan out that way. But your path took you on a great way to get to where you are. Um, I'm very fortunate that I I was able to get on that path right away
0: that's that's great stephanie um and yeah so you, you're right right the contrast of folks that study one thing and end up doing another here it is the other side of the coin right you kind of figured out early on that it was something that you were going to be interested in and you've stayed there um and again i i promise i'm not going to make you relive your college syllabus here but i'm just curious as as you went through that program um You know, were there any parts of it that stood out that you that you maybe you didn't realize was a part of the function? Um, Really just curious uh, uh, what what that looked like.
1: I was obsessed with employment law and it almost made me think I can be a lawyer. Right. And this would be a different pathway for me to still achieve where I want to go in life. I um, yeah, don't think I had it in me for that many years more of school and, and do I kind of have some regret there that I should have gone that pathway? Yes and no, uh, but I, I definitely had employment law at the front line and I still so much enjoy kind of getting into the nitty gritty of where it all stems from, what the original case studies are that get us to the point that we are. And then the continuously changing laws that it's impossible to keep up with uh, because you get flooded with 12 emails a day to say, you know, change in law, change in legislation, legislation coming in. And so I think that there is because it's not just in a box and it continuously changes, there's always opportunity to continue learning, which is the biggest part of what makes me happy in life is that I'm always learning.
0: Yeah, that's Awesome. And again, I guess chop another one up for Stephanie Russo. I, I, I'm not sure how many of your peers would say that employment law is the one that really stood out and was the most endearing uh, to them, you know, in their learning trajectory. But that's uh, that's great. So we'll now kind of jump, Stephanie, if you don't mind, um, into into your career, right? Into into your career pathway and. I'm really curious, you know, we'll have you kind of walk us down or, or walk us up the um, the career paths for you, but one observation I've kind of made, you know, in preparing for our conversation is um, from what I know of you is you really are a true HR business partner, right? You're someone that thinks about the business. Um, and you spent a lot of your time industry-wise in industries that traditionally didn't always, or don't always have that super strategic HR and people leader, right? When I think of hospitality, fast casual, food and bath, right? Even, you know, transportation services and and things that are ancillary. Like right now, you don't always find someone that's kind of leading the charge strategically in the people space. Um, So I'm just curious... how you brought that to all the places you've been. And I'd have to imagine at least one of the places you're the, you're the first of your kind. So just, just wanted to put that caveat in there while you kind of walk this down your, your path.
1: Yeah. And that's, that's a really interesting way to look at it. And I think that it's about balancing where you find your passions within what it is that you do, right? I am absolutely in my current role right now, feeling gracious that i have such a strong seat at the table to be able to weigh in on the business decisions and the strategy of growth that we have in front of us uh, that really is impactful right i'm not just simply offering an opinion and it's not regarded as as it should be uh, but it's really it's hardly balanced with my passion to still connect with people. And I think that that's what you'll find to ring true through all of the positions that I've held is the people that I'm working with and the type of labor force that I'm working with. Because I, above all, value connection. And I think that that was probably the biggest love for me in going into hotels from the very beginning is connecting with the workforce that's in hotels and identifying with them, right? And that was where the biggest connection came back to how I was raised and the family that I was raised in, right? Because there's such a large population of first generation and immigrant workers in our hotels. And I loved that. I never felt more at home than at being in the, at the cafeteria table, sitting with the housekeeping team, enjoying lunch, right? And so would I sacrifice a little bit of the strategic opportunity to be able to have that human connection? There's no question. Uh, It would be 100%. I would sit down at that table and rather have that human to human connection where I can help support someone and make their job, their personal life, everything easier. Um, I've delivered two babies at this point, basically, Um, which is funny because in the hotels, For some reason, when something goes wrong, they don't call 911, they would just scream my name, right? (laughs) And so from whatever part of the hotel, you're talking about 20 floors worth. Uh, And I, one room attendant who was extremely young went into labor pretty early on in uh, her pregnancy. And her husband was not able to come at that point because he was at a job where uh, he couldn't have a cell phone on him at that point. But their English capability was limited. And she was scared. She was fully scared, right? So she said, you, you know, you come with me. So I jump in the ambulance and I'm, I'm in the ambulance going. And she would not let me leave her through the entire process. And she gave birth to an extremely pure, premature baby. Uh, this is now 11 years ago. And I got a text from her probably two months ago. And our child is huge. He's he's a chunky, chunky little thing. You never know he was premature, happy, living life, healthy, right? Um, I would take that over anything else that I do on an everyday basis, right? But the reason why she held, she wanted me to hold her hand is because she trusted me, right? She had this care that crossed HR boundaries way too much. <laughs> <laughs> There's a point where you sit there and say, as an HR professional, we shouldn't be doing this, this exam with you right now. Um, but she needed that advocate. She needed that trust and that care. Um, and that for me will always trump over anything to do with having a seat at the table and offering the strategy at that point, right? But how do I take that experience and tie that back into the strategy, right? Did we offer the health care that she needed to be able to, to care for that child beyond the birth, right? Because she now has a child who's going to be in the hospital for a couple of months, and she's going to have significant bills associated with that. She's going to need time away that's well beyond just the normal bonding of with your newborn. Uh, and so how does the strategy that I bring to the table in terms of the benefit offering that we have and the care that we take of all of our team members then translate back to the experiences that we have like that? Um, it's a hard balance. It's a really, really hard balance, but uh, it's important.
2: I always thought the a good premise for a TV show would be like HR executives and what they have to do like throughout the day. And I think episode one was that story you just shared. That could be episode one. I mean, that'd be, that'd be a hit show. I. It was
1: an un, an unreal experience. I will I will put it that way. Unreal experience.
0: Well, Paul, you took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, I don't know if anyone's seen the show White Lotus. Um, I, th- I think that's actually a is actually a scene from like, from its first season. I think. <laughs> well, oh, you're right. Actually, but yeah, yeah. I was going to say you can't make this stuff up, but <laughs> up and stuff, and <Stephanie's> lived
1: it. <laughs> but I think that that's what those experiences are what makes you the HR professional that you become, you know, we do rely so heavily on experiences that stem from education and, you know, the credentials that we have sitting behind us. But how do you take that and turn that into action is is probably the biggest struggle. And you don't, you know, you don't want it to come through trauma and you don't want it to come through uh, significant issues that, you know, the one I just described. But it does also give real life meaning behind why we need to be as caring, as an approach that we can be to HR and people overall.
0: Yeah. Well, that's amazing, um, Stephanie. It seems like we could have a a sandwich and a cherry Coke and talk about even more stories. Seems like we're just scratching the surface. But but kind of staying in the vein of, I guess, uh, career pathing. Path right. Um, can you tell us a little bit about, you know, kind of like some of your early stops from a title standpoint, kind of how it progressed into leading the function at, you know, at such a vibrant organization like you are now?
1: Sure. And I was of the mind frame, I didn't attend college graduation, quite honestly, because I wanted to start working. So I did not go to college graduation and started working earlier than anticipate anticipated instead and went right into the workforce and started at a car rental company where I did their management training program, which was, again, another phenomenal program, right? Talk about almost a boot camp of trying to figure out, what the front lines look like and give you that real world experience of uh, what your team members will go through before you're allowed into that management role, right? And I think often now, especially with different career trajectories that are coming out of people uh, coming from the mindframes, people coming out of college, is that it's bypassing that first front line level experience that people think, oh, I don't need to do that. I can be maybe a manager or a leader right away. And so I'm, I'm grateful that I went into that program because having that experience, again, you identify as you become a leader and a manager, and you're able to then know and effectively lead because you understand what they're going through. That program was awesome. Um, it did very much make me realize how much I want to be behind the scenes and not in the front and and take a step back. I enjoy the relationships that are more longer term and really uh, on an ongoing basis than kind of those five minute experiences that you're creating for customers and guests at a front that are just are important, but probably not meant to be my long term plan. So I transitioned over into an HR coordinator role in my first hotel, where I quickly became the manager. And I thought that was a leap. I was like, well, this is this is great. here I am going to be the, the manager. And quickly in that hotel, the hotel was for sale. And we were also negotiating a brand new CBA, so it was transitioning to a union, uh, union hotel. And so, first HR role, here I am, only manager there. There's nobody else in HR in that function. And the incoming company says they need to uh, interview for a director. And the VP of my current company says, "Oh, you're going to interview director? Are you kidding me? I'm barely a coordinator at this point. This is this is so much." I said, I don't have the experience. She said, you do now and you didn't before, but you will moving forward, right? And so another person on my pathway who really encouraged me to step outside of the thinking that if I don't have everything to check the box right at this moment, that that mean, limits me from taking that next step and really saying, hey, I can go out and find the answers because I have the skill sets to be successful in the roles that I'm looking to fill it's OK to not have that answer right then and now and go out and find it. So I interviewed. I became the director at that property. And then again, at you know 24 years old, was thinking, well, yeah, you're not going to tell me I'm too young again, right? So uh took on a director role pretty early and really ran with that. Um, I love hotels. I had several hotels, and especially all around the city, um, out west in the Berkshires as well, and that still allowed for me to have that human connection with all of the team members as I graduated to having multiple hotels under my my span and the balance of trying to be more strategic but still connecting with people on an everyday basis. I value knowing everyone's name, right? And making sure that they, they know I know their name because they want to know that you care for them with, do you have the time to do that, right? Do you have the bandwidth because you have so much underneath? Uh, that was a hard learning lesson as I continued to grow into my roles. And I moved into uh, the corporate director of HR at Oban Pan, where I met Patty Simpson, who is currently the chief administrative officer at Union Square Hospitality. And she opened my eyes to really helping me mature. I had the skills. I had the experience. I knew what HR people were supposed to do, but I didn't never feel myself. And I felt like I had to play a certain part to be one HR. You always have to be on. You have to have that, that energy, that vibrance. But I walked into a room with her on my first day. And you have this almost intimidation factor. She was the CPO of that company. And she says, sit down. Hey. And it was just this shoulders drop energy that she made me feel comfortable from the very first hello. And she taught me about being my authentic self. And no matter who you are in the room with, that there's a way to convey who you are and still be successful and making sure that you are Valued and that you're taken seriously. Right. So uh, she was life changing for me, still is. Uh, I talk to her on a frequent basis where I am reminded of why it is that I do what I do every day. Uh, And she really pushed me into, you know, take that next step, grow. Here's more responsibility. You can do this with, you know, handing over things I had no experience with, giving me that experience and setting me up for my next roles. So uh, I'm grateful to the, the mentors on my pathway that really helped me leap over that. I'm not there yet mentality, uh, with, I'm going to get there and I'm going to get there today and I'm going to be fine.
0: I, I, I love that Stephanie. And, and it's, it's so cool to hear that you've had uh mentors in your life that, that took that chance on you. Right. Like, um, so I'm, I'm, I'm just curious, just kind of thinking out loud here. Um, Have you kind of carried that um, uh, ability or thought process with you as far as uh, elevating people and looking at people that are, you know, not to use a cliche, but high potential and saying, hey, it's your time, you know, maybe earlier than the traditional, you know, time frame would allow for?
1: Hugely. Uh, and that's, you know, I've done it in ways that I think are, are more on the subtle side. And a lot of the mentality that I bring to work on an every basis is I really want people to be good at HR and people functions in their company. And I, of course, I want my team to, you know, thrive HR at VP and e right? But I don't want them to just be great at HR at VPN. I want them to be great at HR outside of it and, and the people function outside of this company so that all the skill sets and the the knowledge and experience that they build is applicable beyond the specific way that we do things here. Right. And that was the opportunity that was afforded to me by all these other people um so you know that's ingrained on an everyday basis to say take your education to a new level explore this course what about this credentialing that will help them propel them beyond what we're just doing right now you can't get stuck in you're so great i can't bear to lose you with recognizing this is the best opportunity for you right now and i i'm going to be thrilled to let you go and have you explore that that role right i had a uh hr coordinator uh at one of my roles and she was very green, but she had this mentality of I'm gonna go out there, I'm gonna get the answers. And she applied for a job and I, it was at a hotel. And so I used the fact that I work in hotels and called this GM and said, hey, I really, I need you to give her a look, right? You know, Give me the the industry courtesy and just give her a look. She said, we're at the end stages with the candidate. I said, great, one phone call. That's all I'm asking you to do, one phone call. And uh, she ended up hiring. Uh, the person that I had ended up sending her way and she's now a director uh, at the hotels so you know there's very subtle ways that I think that you can accomplish being someone's mentor and kind of giving them the the empowerment to do for themselves with totally invasive I'm just gonna take control of this (laughs) and and help make pathways happen too
0: yeah well that's i love that stephanie and i got two more i guess questions here until we talk a little bit about you know you, what you think about the future and maybe some advice for um for some of you know, some folks maybe earlier on in their careers but um you know typically we make this conversation be just about um uh, the the professional right just about just about stephanie but i think given how dynamic uh your organization is in 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 the growth. Can you share a little bit? And and we won't make it about BPNE, and in in Aloha, we'll, we'll certainly make it just about you. But I'm just curious. Can you maybe tie in this this growth and this broadening of what your organization is doing, and and maybe how it's challenged you, or or how it's challenged your your thought process?
1: I think we always
0: want to think that we are adaptable.
1: As, as individuals right and then you realize how actually adaptable you may be once you're put into a situation that you have to kind of pivot pretty quickly and, and learn new new areas i really you know in, in connecting with VPNE at the very beginning i knew VPNE. i i knew the company and i was very comfortable with where what the the direction is that i was going and i did not have any bit of an understanding of our aloha healthcare side of the business right so i felt extremely comfortable in the support services that we were offering in the transportation and parking world, and then quickly had to take in the fact that we were expanding tenfold on the healthcare side of our business within the hospitals for a language that I don't speak, right? So there is so much medical terminology that's being tossed around immediately and realizing I've got to educate myself very, very quickly in this space, right? But I was adaptable to do so right? And taking a, a thought process and a step back to say, I know where it is that I'm okay. Where am I not okay? And how do I get to be in a space where I feel a comfort level that I can lead an organization through a growth of an area that I don't know yet? Um, so there's there was a lot of steps to take to get there. And I think that at the core of it, what came down to it, and what I again love so much about VP&E and Aloha, is it's people-based. And our, our our product in that sense are people and humans that elements that we're bringing to the table on an everyday basis that I can connect and thrive with because I know what's going to make them successful in life. And if they are successful in life, then whatever position we put them into, we're going to be able to be successful as an
0: organization. Yeah. Uh, great. That's a great mindset, Stephanie. It kind of brings me to my next question, right? So I have yet to meet uh, the uh, a peer of yours, right? A, a chief, human resources officer or chief people officer that say, you want to know what? Yeah. And I'm, I'm actually overstaffed. Uh, I have plenty of time in my day. Um, I get to, you know, three oclock and I, I, I don't know what to do with myself. So given that, right. Um, in, in all the things that, that need to be done, you know, uh, in your seat and then specifically at an organization that's, that's experiencing, you know, some amazing growth. We've chatted about this before at a dinner. I know you're involved in a lot of things outside of work. Um, did, did you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, some of your hobbies and what kind of allowed you to get, you know, away from the work a little bit, if you will?
1: Right. Well, when I worked in the hotels before uh, this position that I'm currently in, I had Miraval, and Miraval is a wellness driven organization and they talk about creating your balance, not finding it, right? And so I'd never really taken that step back to think about the control aspect to balance um, and making sure that I'm actively creating it and not searching for something that's just going to organically fall onto my plate. So I do think uh, as much as it sounds glorious at three o'clock to maybe be like, hey, I'm done for the day. I'm not built for that either. I, I need to be busy and running around um, and the second I sit down on the couch and think I have five minutes, I jump up to find something to do because I'm, I'm just not meant to be sitting down. Uh, but it, it starts with really having the mentality of how you're attacking the day, understanding what's on the plate and using the support system that I have in my family to make that happen. Right. And so I'm very fortunate to have a very supportive home life uh, that makes sure that we are at every obligation, work event, uh anything, party, (laughs) t-ball game that could come up uh, to get us to where we need to be. I also, uh, we have a couple of dance schools and uh, I teach dancing a couple of times a week. So that in itself adds uh, a bunch of dynamics that are awesome. Uh, But through that, I mean, we've had the school on 30 years at this point. um, And I was uh, one of the first students and have never left, quite honestly. my family at this point is running to dance schools uh, that truly help support every other aspect of our life so because it's all mixed together in this crazy chaotic way we all know what each other is going through and who needs to support what and what the priorities are Um, but we're all in the same thought process of we need to create that balance for one another and for ourselves and not think that we're just going to organically find it
2: so are you are you considered a dance mom Oh,
1: oh, there's there's a couple definitions. There's there's the TV show definition. Dance moms are real, um, but uh, no, I, I think Sean Sean is probably closer to the dance mom uh, mentality, right? Of of Saturday morning going. Um, it's a it's a real thing though. I will not put that out there.
2: It's a real and, thing. And with your personality, not being able to uh, you know sit down for five minutes, which I'm sure is very uh, helpful in your day to day. Are you able? Are you, would you be a good person to go on a beach vacation with or are you able to turn it off?
1: I am. I, I I definitely I have that that level, and then I think I immediately fall asleep, right? So <laughs> finally, I sit down for five minutes. I'm like, just give me five minutes, and then I'm asleep. Uh, but there is there's just the ways that you get that energy out, right? And so I, I work in a professional environment five days a week, uh, seven days a week. But you know you're on during the office time, and you know I have we have a team here, and we're interacting and. You know you're in your suits and you're you're working in that space that's very traditional, right? And then Saturday morning comes and I get into my my leggings and my sweatshirt and I have 16 two-year-olds at 9 a.m., right? And it is chaotic and it's screaming and they want to every one of them has a life story that they need to tell you in that moment, right? Miss Tiffany, Miss Tiffany, Miss Tiffany, I'm going today, and for them it's just it's incredibly exciting and they want to tell you and you know you let them dance and i'm sure as parents everyone's excited that i say hey let them get all their energy out here and i'll send them back to you tired this is great they're going right into nap time but it's just as much a release for me um quite honestly and again you're connecting with just a very different set of people right um and what's so relevant in their lives i had a student come in last week and she's just turned three she says miss stephanie i have a predicament I was like, wow, she's three years old. I don't understand how she has a predicament, but this is great. She says, there was a diaper exposure at my swim school and class has been canceled. <laughs> this is a third three-year-old's real big problem. Um, and I said, that's OK. We're going to do everything here and have a really great time. She's like, oh, I know. I told I told my mother, don't worry. Don't worry about it. Um, so it's, it's, it's just a very different release of energy that helps me then gear up for the next week of work. Right.
0: That's great. Well, Stephanie, the last couple of questions here, this has been a blast. So when you think about the future, right, um, can you tell us a little bit about what you think about relative to the HR and people function, um, you know, what, where we're going, you know, maybe what we're not thinking about or what you're thinking about, but, but kind of thinking out, you know, two, three, five years.
1: Yeah, I've loved where we're going and the spaces that we're living in overall as HR and people functions across industries, right? And really some impactful change that we've had as leaders to take conversations to the next level, right? Because I think for a long period of time, we were having conversations about uh, DE&I and they they were sitting at the table, where was the actionable solutions that were coming out of that? It took forever to come to the forefront. And I think we're seeing so much more of that now. I, I will tell you personally what I'm struggling with is really seeing how larger organizations and companies are taking that actionable change, bringing it to the forefront, and then seeing pushback, backlash, and you know controversial topics considered to some that force them to then have financial impacts on the decisions they made, and they pull back, right? So I think a really big conversation to have right now is, wanting to have effective, measurable change within our organizations, but doing it in a way that is extremely, that sticks, right? Because you have this, These a couple of very recent large organizations that took a stance and because of the pushback that they received, they pulled back on that stance and how much more hurtful and impactful that pullback was than them even just bringing the topic to the table, right? So- I think that there there's a lot of great intentionality behind what we are doing in the HR people function. I think that the thought process behind how it's presented and you know holding on to it from a stance is is just as important as really putting it out there um, because there's a lot of uh, going back and forth that's just becoming more harmful than the changes we're trying to make.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm hopeful um, that with all this technology and AI and some of the data analytics that are out there, that that the business cases will be, uh, that I don't think it'll ever be easy, but that they'll be um, more streamlined to help support, you know, a lot of what we're talking about.
1: Right, absolutely. I think there's just a lot of education that needs to happen around that. I think that we went from, you know, thinking AI was in our movies, right? And then within a last, the last two months, everyone's saying it's taking over the world and it's it's coming to an end. And there is just a significant lack of introduction and education behind this technology uh, that really could be impactful in so many great ways, but how we use it in ways that isn't going to decimate, you know, for me, the people population as well. And making sure that the people are put first uh, when we're doing these, these strategies towards growth overall.
0: Well, Stephanie, this has been a blast. One last question for you. Um, advice that you might have to a, um, a a junior, uh, person in HR, maybe someone that's just got into HR, or maybe even that person that, you know, was a coordinator that got pulled into the manager role quick. And that said, Hey, I actually, I actually want to be, you know, in charge of this whole thing someday. Um, advice you might have for someone that in that situation.
1: Yes, definitely find your person, your, your trustee, your mentor, uh, a couple of people within your industry that you can go to for advice because always remembering that it's okay to not have the answer right now, but taking that step back, digesting the issue at hand, and going to experienced people is just going to continue to help you on your pathway. You don't have to have that answer. Uh, you will find it, and you will get it, and that will help you to your next step. Um, and when you're ready for that seat at the table, whether it's there or not, have a folding chair because I was always going to be in the room. And someone told me that a couple of years ago to say, uh, oh, there isn't a seat at the table right now. And I said, yeah, well, I have a folding chair in the car and uh, I'm I'm going to be sitting here. Right. And that really, that persistence helped me take on more and more that gained me that seat at the table. Right. So uh, be prepared for a solution, whether you have the answer or not.
0: I'll see. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. It was a blast uh, getting to know you a little bit more, and, and I'm sure uh, the audience is, is going to be super excited to hear you know everything that you've, that you've accomplished. It's been a blast.
1: This is so awesome. Thanks so much, Paul. I appreciate that all the work I did in hiding the accent has now been decimated, and <laughs> I know that my Boston accent, it, it really exists, uh, but thank you both. This is so great, and you're doing such great work really bringing all of this to the forefront, and it's helping to develop a lot of leaders, and uh, I'm appreciative of it, quite honestly. Let's take a second thing
0: back. Think back. Yeah. My, 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 my physical frame is celebrated because I made it.